Okay, um, the sermon. Did everybody get a chance to read the sermon? Because I'm not going to go over it again. It's there. Read through it. But it's just dealing with temptation because that's what we're going to get into. It's dealing with temptation. Um, I've done that sermon quite a few times over the years. And I always like going back to what Jesus did because bottom line, he had to know scripture well enough to obey it. That's how you're going to deal with it. I need to know what the will of God is enough that I can actually obey it when a temptation or a trial comes. In James 1, 2, count it all a joy, my brothers, when you uh, encounter diverse or various, the exact same word is there as when God doesn't tempt. It's a testing or is a temptation. Depends which side of the coin you're on. If I am going to be obedient, it's a testing of my faith whether I'm going to obey God and walk in wisdom. A temptation is enticement for me to move in my own direction of foolishness after my own desires, hence why in James 1 later on, where, where does sin come, come from? It's because I want to pursue my own lusts, my own desires, my own quests, and it's a foolishness, and that gives birth to sin because out of those desires come actions, attitudes, contrary to what God says starts with the mind, but the same event can be either a testing or a temptation. Which is it going to be? The testing of faith makes you stronger. Enticements you yield to, and that makes you weaker. Okay? So that was all in the sermon as well. That is summarized in a little sheet. It says battle against temptation. Okay, it's the very same thing. This one emphasized from First uh, John 2, 15, 16, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, boastful pride of life. Uh, Eve was tested in all three of those areas. Jesus was tempted in all three of those areas. You will be tested in all three of those areas, okay? The lust of the flesh, the desires of your flesh, okay? All of them, okay? The lust of the eyes, what you perceive as being beautiful or pleasant, okay? And then the boastful pride of life is about your pride. It's about you. Okay. Um, so he lists out and compares. So you have Eve versus Christ in all three of these areas. So these temptations, now in the case of Eve and Christ, it came from Satan. Okay. He pushed the, the ideas. Well, the same things can come from the world. Okay, your friends can be uh, advocates of Satan or used by Satan. They may not be a serpent. <laughs> they can be used the same way. Okay, it's Satan speaking through them. What did Jesus say to Peter? Get the behind behind me, Satan. That's right. Okay, because that he was being a mouth for Satan. Didn't even recognize it. So it can be from the world. It can be from those around you. And it also just arises from just within yourself. You don't need any help. You can do this all by yourself. Okay? The chocolate is calling me from the freezer, and I went down to rescue it. <laughs> all right? No one had to tell me that. I heard the chocolate all on my own. Do you so you won't be tempted to Yes, I do. 
I, it, it, it's true. I'll put it down the freezer because then it's like, if I really want it, I go downstairs, I got a restaurant. Where did I put it in here? Find it. And I, yeah, it's not worth it. Okay. So it'd be especially, I really would want, I want a piece of chocolate. All right. So yes, I do, but I can hear it calling. I'm cold. <laughs> it's warm up where you are. Okay. So no one has to tell me that, right? I hear things calling me from the store, like driving by Adams. It's calling me. Yeah. Now go home as I turn the wheel. That's right. Or uh, here was a bad one. One of the guys in the church actually was, he, he's since moved. He was really good with diesel engines and stuff. So he was going around and collecting fry oil, straining it and putting it into his car which was great for him. So he was getting free fuel and he got good mileage on it. And But the problem was everybody behind him. <laughs> They're peeling off and going to McDonald's for the French fries, you know? <laughs> Where'd that come from? Well, it didn't arise from themselves. It arose from <laughs> my friends <laughs> polluting everything with the smells of French fries. <laughs> Okay, it came from somewhere else. You see a road, you know, the sign is there. The world is enticing all that. So yeah, it can come from yourself. It can come from the world. It can come from, from Satan, demonic, okay? He gives a chart on the next uh, one on, these are just uh, examples. It's not nothing comprehensive here, but it's just methods of tact, the area of tact, um, weaknesses that are often attacked in that. If it's the mind, Lies is the method of attack. The weakness is going to be ignorance. That's what he did with Eve. Eve should have known better, didn't. Defense, know the truth. Okay, the body, uh, several areas, su opposite, suffering and pleasure, suffering, the weakness can be impatience. I'm getting tired of this. I'm getting worn out. It hurts. Um, okay, Job was attacked physically. All right. Uh, same with Paul. Solution, God's grace is sufficient in the midst of the suffering. We're only suffering here for a short time. It may seem like eternity, but it's not. It's only a short time. Uh, pleasure, okay, uh, pursuing that. And it could be from the negative positive. I'm hungry, so I want to feed myself. But what are you going to feed yourself? Um, is it going to be according to what God wants? Or is it going to be be content and God will feed you in his timing? Jesus was very hungry, but he would wait for God to feed him in his timing. Your children are hungry, but they can wait till dinner is ready. They don't have to have a snack. They really don't, okay? Teach them some self-control. Um, uh, the will, pride, independence is used the area of weakness there. Uh, the Holy Spirit is going to be sufficient. David was attacked there. Um, the heart and conscience accusations uh pointing out your weaknesses your imperfections and we don't like that uh to show the high priest was attacked there intercession i can pray about this or there's dangers and so it's going to play on your fears whatever that is okay the spies gave in 10 spies out of 12 gave in to their fears we were as ants in before them and only two of them like yeah but don't you know ants can take six times their body weight and carry it around. Have you ever watched the ants? Man, those giants don't have this chance. <laughs> All right? One believed God and one didn't. So 
We have to learn to trust God. So those are just examples. That's all they are. It's just examples. Some practical self-examination questions. So for yourself or asking someone, am I doing this for the glory of God or to please myself? Ask that as a question to, to the other person. Are your actions or your, you know, your efforts here, is, is this, how does this fit with the glory of God? Or are you trying to please yourself? Am I rushing ahead impetuously or am I willing to wait? Am I willing to get godly counsel before I act? Okay, that may be an intervention. You're moving real fast here. Do you think you need to talk this over before you do what you're going to do? Three, do I have enough information to make a reasonably and godly decision? Can I defend what I'm doing with the word of God? Does it agree with scripture? That's always a good challenge for anybody you're counseling. But what does scripture say about it? And they don't know. It says, well, then let's look. Let's see what scripture says about it. Okay, remove the ignorance. Uh, four, does the spirit of God within me agree? Can I do this with a clear conscience before God? Okay. Temptation is, well, did you pray about it? They may say no. A lot of times they'll say yes, but what was the prayer? So they prayed about it. Whoopee. If you weren't praying properly, that doesn't make any difference. Okay. Uh, three, am I act, reacting in fear or am I trusting God? Okay. So those are just samples. So let's deal with some sample temptations and see where we get. Uh, anybody need a break? You good? All right. So we're going to be taking, and this is where we're going to be going the rest of the time, it's going to be taking samples and discussing situations. All the situations presented here are real. They have happened, okay? Not they weren't necessarily mine. They were presented to me in a counseling class, and that counselor had dealt with, yes, even the ones that are here a little bizarre, they had dealt with them, okay? They, these are real things. But you have to start thinking through this. So I'm going to start with, we'll use Crab's methodology to start making you think through it, only because that is a good outline to get you to start thinking a little differently than we normally act when someone comes for a counsel with, I want to encourage them and side with them and affirm them. And they probably need a good, you know, two by four upside the head. And mm -hmm. you don't want to do that because if you do that, they may not like you. And we know that your emotions are in this too. I want the counselee to like me. No, we all have to get back to is we're here for God. Okay. So I want to start thinking through how am I going to help in a godly way, whoever I'm talking to. And then remember, this isn't doesn't have to be formal. Most of your counseling is going to be very informal. They won't even know you're counseling them. Mm -hmm. They just see you as a friend and say, well, what do you think about this? Guess what you're doing? Mm -hmm. You're counseling. Okay, that's just normal church life. It's normal body life. Normal life for any human. But are you going to get wise counsel or foolish counsel? We want to be those who give wise counsel. Okay. So here's the first example. Your friend calls you after this at the doctor. He has told him or her that their weight has become a serious health factor. They're no longer just overweight. They've now moved into more being morbid, morbidly obese and must go on a diet and lose 100 pounds in the next year. Your friend confides that they know the doctor is correct and that they would like to get rid of the weight for a variety of reasons, including to look better and be able to wear the clothes they used to wear but are now in storage. B, be able to take a walk or go upstairs without losing their breath. Next, have their legs and ankles 
uh, not hurt so much. Being able to participate in former activities, they stop because of their weight. However, your friend is afraid uh, he will not be able to do it. Your own observations of your friend include the following. They have more than an ample amount of food at any meal. They usually have a snack of some sort with them. They like rich foods. They often bribe their children with food. And most of their extended family is also overweight. So stage one, identify presenting problem. Pretty easy on this one, right? Okay, which is they're morbidly obese, okay? So it's not just an option. This is this is a health concern. It's a it is a serious issue. They know they he wants to get, we're just making a he, he wants to get help. He's already seen a doctor about it, okay? And so must lose weight. If nothing else, the health reasons have got to, to do that. Now, that's a presenting problem. Now, you could have other things that go with that. For example, uh, it's a guy and has young kids. He's putting his kids at risk, okay, for dying early or being unable to actually be the father to him that God wants him to be because his weight is hindering it. So you could add some other things here that are to that presenting problem. Now, they may or may not even recognize those parts. At this point, presenting problem, doctor said, I got to lose the weight, okay? And he has already identified there's a lot of other things that can go with that. There's benefits. What is the identifying problem? Emotion. Well, this is stated for you in it, okay? You've talked with enough. They fear they will fail. All right, what are some questions you could ask? Well, the most obvious one is, well, why are you afraid of failing? Okay. Um, have you ever tried this in the past? Maybe there is a reason for failing. I've tried in the past. I failed. Uh, okay. What happened then? Um, now expand it. Have you failed, failed at other things? What you're looking for here, is there a pattern here that is not just the weight? There's other things they failed at. All right. Now, we haven't gotten into anything like, why are they eating like they are? But just this is presenting emotion. Depending on the answers, you could have a light shining on what they're actually thinking. Okay. Um, the, the why the fear of fail, you could expand on that one. Well, if you did fail, how would that make you feel? Why, If you did fail, does that mean you can't keep going? You can't keep trying. Uh, what would be your definition of success? Because if there's a failure, then it has to have an idea of what success is, right? So there's going to be emotions, okay? Identify the problem behavior, okay? You've observed some of this, so you can see it. Eats a lot of snacks, likes rich foods. Ample quantity, that's a way of saying it, is more on the plate than they need, okay? Uh, question to ask. Okay, what benefits do you get from eating? Now you're moving into this, well, why are you eating so much, right? Um, what's your benefit from eating that much? How, what's your own perception of this? You know, why are you choosing to do this? Why are you choosing the rich foods? Um, uh, is this emotional? Is it relational? Is it physical? Do you just have cravings all the time or something? What is it? Because each one of those could have a different solution. It's probably going to be a mixture of them. 
but I'm going to start asking questions. I'm trying to gain more understanding. Your behavior is this. Why are you having that behavior? So again, emotions may clue you in on some of that. Well, now you identify the problem thinking. All right, you notice the extended family is overweight. So maybe there's uh, some family issues going on. This is how he is trained. Uh, there may be some wrong thinking that goes back to family that, you know, uh, well, here's one that's often happened with parents who give their kids food as rewards for everything. You know, it can be used, but if that's always what's being gone or mostly what's going on, the kids start equating food with success or the pleasure of, uh, uh, it becomes a comfort. Uh, if a child is, is hurt or something, you give them something. If, if food is always a thing that's being thrown out there, you're training the child to look at food that way. Or okay. you force them to finish their plate, even if they're not hungry anymore. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we just bring it back. <laughs> right. From this, is depends how you dish it out. If you dish it out, that's your responsibility. If they dished it out, that's their responsibility. Um, I, I got to tell this story. So we were at, David was, that he was just old enough to be at a buffet where he could go by himself, okay? Because, you know, the parents are supposed to go with the child when they're too young. He came back with a full plate of Jello. <laughs> David. <laughs> well, you know what happened then, right? You know, he didn't eat Jello for a long time. <laughs> so, you know, we, but I said, look, you, you're taking that. We're not going to throw it away. That, that's, that's not nice to the person who's supplying the food, okay? You made the choice. <laughs> so, you know, you can offer some of, to the rest of us. We can help you a little bit, but you're going to have to do something with this. And no, you can't have anything else till that's done. But you're right. Parents can do that. They became, it's everything centered on food. Well, you have to explore that, okay? What are they thinking about food? All right, there can be an emotional thing often tied into the thinking of um, kind of a psychological comfort, okay? I can get at least some satisfaction there. I can't do other things, but at least people satisfied, I like the food, okay? Everything else is going right, you know, bad. I'm eating potato chips. Someone said they don't like me. I'm eating a cream puff, you know? <laughs> Right. Well, I, I know it sounds ridiculous, but actually that's true. <clears throat> people do act that way, right? So you're going to explore that. What's what's behind it? How did they view their eating habits? What what do they think themselves about it? Okay, it's a poor choice, it's bad habits. It's do they have someone else they want to try and blame? Okay, that's not going to be legitimate in the end. They have their own choices but you might include where some of this started. Uh, <laughs> we, had a, we had a young man actually would fit this very well at one point. And they just, well, it's just a family curse. <laughs> then why is that one so thin? <laughs> uh, I, we went around and around with this stuff. Um, you know, this, well, that's just the way I am. I'm watching you. You know, your big problem here is uh, is your elbow. Elbow, I said, yeah, it keeps bending. <laughs> Maybe we should put it in cast like this and then, you know, 
you can't, you can never, someone else will have to feed you. We can solve the problem by immobilizing your elbow. I can get sarcastic. So uh, is it a sin issue? Are you looking for comfort in food when you should be going to the Lord with your troubles and trials? Uh, have you asked others to help hold you accountable? To who's, who's encouraging you? Okay, well, what's your diet plan? You don't have a diet plan? Well, that's planning to fail. So what is your diet plan? Is this a realistic diet plan? for you, okay? Who have you gotten to help you? You're gonna ask a lot of those questions, okay? Uh, and then you're gonna teach commands concerning the problem areas. So what Bible verses have you read about this? What biblical principles you know of that will uh, direct you toward the particular issues you're, you're dealing with is uh, something to help you with your eating habits. You'll probably find some stuff in Proverbs. There's usually a lot in Proverbs, right? But you'll be digging out to find some of the stuff that is there. Okay, here's some suggestions of stuff. Uh, life is not about food. <laughs> it's not. Matthew 4, 4, Luke 12, 29. You trying to decide if you have things for other people? I have so much stuff. I'm sorry to interrupt. I don't want to okay. interrupt. Okay, Daniel then. Daniel Smith, it's discipleship stuff she needs right away. And Okay. You can give it to Lance. Okay. Uh, here's another one that's dealing with any issue with diets. Contentment. Okay. Can you learn to be content with what you have? That's a big one on any food issue. Uh, I, I can be content. I can be content whether I have a little or a lot. Are you content? Okay. And then how, dealing with temptation. Okay. First Corinthians 10, 13. 13, it's of course a, a good one. This, and that's what we're going to be talking about is temptation. There is no temptation, but such is common to man. But God is faithful, and with the temptation, he provides a way of escape that you may be able to endure it. So then you start exploring is since this is a true verse, then what are your ways of escape? Now, some of that can be very practical, right? And if it has to be, is Put locks in your cupboard and you don't have the key. <laughs> it could get serious, right? Um, but what's the way to deal with temptation? What, what you can block? Flee. Okay, flee it if you can. Okay, <clears throat> clarify biblical thinking. Pick a couple of the most important points to emphasize to enable the friend to develop a realistic diet plan and then stick to it. Then questions to ask. You're delving into their thinking. What do they believe God thinks about their obesity? That's probably not one that usually people think. But what do you think God thinks about it? Is he happy with you this way? Does he think, oh, good, they're up at 500 pounds. There's so much more than to love. <laughs> I don't think God's thinking that way. All right. Um, what do they believe he would, uh, he would have? What do they believe he would have done about it? Can they identify their own sin and their attitude, their approach to eating? And if they can't, again, you're going back to scriptures, you're going to help them clarify that. This is what God has said about it. And what specific areas must they learn to trust God in order to be successful? Because there's going to be a trust issue there somewhere. Now, <clears throat> let me do point out something. I can't find any verses that say that being fat in, in and of itself is a sin. In fact, generally in scripture, you'll find that someone who's fat is usually equated with God has somehow blessed them. Okay. 
Now, there are certain ones where obviously the guy was beyond fat, okay? Uh, like, um, oh, I can't. Yeah, the dagger into his stomach and it, it said it closed up around the dagger. Like, that's a lot of fat. Well, he gets back home. Where's the dagger? It got swallowed up by fat, you know. I, and I wasn't going back after it. So... <laughs> well, we lost it. Sorry. Um, what about gluttony, Pastor? Well, gluttony, gluttony does not will can end up in being overweight. Right. But gluttony itself isn't about your weight; it's about your attitude toward the food. Yeah, bulimics. Bulimics are underweight, right? Or anorexics actually have the same problem. But gluttony is I'm trying to find my satisfaction of food rather than in God. Mm -hmm. So food becomes a solution to my problems. And that's one of the things you may end up pointing out to such a person is you're actually, you're, you know, the proper biblical word for what you are is a glutton. Right. You're looking to food. But then again, that may not be it. They're not even thinking about it. Okay. They're just, okay, here's one. We've all been there, right? You get used to eating a certain amount. Do you want to stop after you've gotten used to it? No. How long does it take to not eat for your stomach to shrink enough so you can feel satiated by eating less? It can you don't know yet. Well, okay. Scientifically, we don't know, but it takes a while. <laughs> I can't give you a doctor answer. But I know from from, from, history, from a personal experience, it, it can take about, a while, right? It can take okay. a while, So your stomach will shrink and then you can eat. Okay. Now here's when all the, the women know if you've had a child is um, there is a point when you just can't eat much. You know why? Baby's taking all the room. The stomach has no room for food. So you're always hungry because you can't eat hardly anything, right? Now, if that just continues after you have the baby, you'll lose the weight pretty fast, right? But you have to be careful there. You got to have enough to be able to feed the baby. So, so it's not being fat the problem. And that's where you can go back to his original issue. The problem is, is his weight has become an issue medically that's threatening his health and life, even his life, where you're going to help him with his wars to sin issues in this. Okay. Probably really kind of hidden to him because when he's coming in, it's like, well, I, I, I want to be healthy. Well, there's some sin issues revolved in that you're going to help expose all that. To clarify the biblical thinking, are you going to be able to trust God in the midst of this? He's fearful of failing. Well, can God help him? Yeah, God promised he can help him. Can he deal with the temptation? Yes, you may have to flee, but you can deal with it. You're going to encourage them, clarify the thinking. Then the initial commitment, what can they do um, in the immediate and then building toward that, okay? What information do they need to gain in order to make good choices, gain an agreement about what the friend can do in the present? What behavior changes in the future and why? Questions. Do they fully recognize the, what that they choose what they eat or don't eat? How much they eat and how often they eat? In other words, are they going to take responsibility for what they're doing? They can't blame the wife. Well, well, this is what she cooked for me. She'll be mad at me if I don't eat it all. Well, risk your wife getting mad, okay? <laughs> you need to elicit her to become on your side. Guarantee she'll help. Unless she's secretly trying to get rid of you. <laughs> in which case, you might want to check it for arsenic in the food, too. Uh, 
death by spaghetti. <laughs> I knew it. You can't cook this good. So long as you're playing. All right. Do they believe they can stick? Now, here's where you're going to. Do they believe they can stick to the diet for a month? Okay. How about several days? How about a day? Half a day? How about one meal? All right, you're going to work until they can say, yeah, I, yeah, I, I can do that. Because if, if it's a month, like, there's no way I'm going to do it for a month. But you, you, you have to, you get like, the next meal, okay, can you just, the next meal. And then when they do that, then call them up after, you know, it was lunchtime's coming. The next meal, then call them up at four o'clock. All right, how about dinner? Can you do it for one more meal? It may take that because they're afraid and you're going to have to encourage them. But you're getting them to make a choice that they keep. Okay. What choices can they make that will help them stick to a realistic diet plan? Okay. There's a lot of diet plans out there. Some are just not really realistic. Okay. Some are not really healthy for you. The fad diets aren't good. So have they seen a nutritionist? Has someone put together something that would help enable them? Okay. Uh, next, they recognize some of the benefits of losing weight to explore their emotional response if they did lose the weight and if they did not. So that would be the carrot and the stick. You know, if you really did, this would be good, wouldn't it? You don't. Well, man, that would be bad. Uh, how strong are their negative emotions about being obese? How do they feel when they hear someone say they are morbidly obese? That, you know, someone comes and tells them. All right. That's all about securing a volitional commitment. So you're bringing them in to be part of that. And they recognize this is why it's a good thing. Okay, behavior, lay out specific steps to take for the present. What and when specific steps in the future must be taken. Identify the key Bible verses to focus on. Develop an accountability plan. Okay. And if you're doing this, definitely if you're doing this formally of some sort, you hold them accountable. They need to memorize some of these scriptures. Okay. Because that's what they need to meditate on. And then identify spirit-controlled emotions as they're moving forward, right? Identify the steps of success, their fear of failing. So probably this would be a guy you need to encourage them. All right, hey, you did it. All right, you, you got through the whole day and you ate healthy all day. That's great. What do you think about tomorrow? You think you can do it again? I mean, that seems pretty minimal, but that may just be where they are. You know, encourage them so they can see. Yes, you're actually moving the direction of Success. Okay, they blew it. I was doing really fine till nine o'clock at night, and and that that it was the eclair, the chocolate eclair. It got me. Came right out of the freezer, just jumped in my mouth. Also, encourage them to do something like every day, like maybe they eat coffee and a donut for breakfast. Like maybe they just eat horrible all the time, so get them to focus on breakfast. Okay, for the next week, that's right. Instead of eating coffee and donut, make a smoothie or have an egg and oatmeal or something. Mm -hmm. So you have to take people where they are, get a volition commitment to something that they can do, and then you just keep extending it and make it more because that builds success. I made it one meal. I I made it. I made it through the whole day. I didn't believe I could do that. The next thing there's a week. Okay, they, then they fall. So, okay, okay. You made a whole week before. Well, let's confess your sin. This was wrong. Let's start over again. Let's see what we can do. All right. Um, motivate and take care of God's emotions. So that's just an example. And of course, since we don't have the person here to actually go back and forth, it could go all sorts of different directions. But 
you can see the mindset is I'm trying to eventually get down into what do they think their life is about? Do you think life is just about eating? Well, that's why we want to learn the verses about contentment. Can you be content with what God provides? A little or a lot, right? Is that something you can learn and teach your kids? Okay, that wasn't what you were taught growing up, but can you learn something different? Yeah, you can. Get a, a, get a commitment. All right, so we have three different scenarios, and the assignment was to pick one and think about it. So any pick number anybody pick number two? Find out your friend is addicted to pornography. He denies it when you first confront him. Finally confesses when you cite the evidence. He admits that he's been looking at pornography since his early teens. His wife does not know about it. Tragically very common. Anybody do that one? All right, we'll come back to it. Anybody do number three? You've been observing a change in the demeanor of a friend you've known for many years. They were very pleasant to be around when they were in their teens, but as your friend has earned various degrees culminating in a master's and have has climbed the corporate ladder into management, they become more arrogant, demanding, less civil to those around them. Your observation has been this has been particularly true of those who work under them and to their children. Now you're noticing the same attitude being expressed in their church involvement since they were asked to teach an adult Sunday school class. You've been asked to talk to him for about their attitude. Anybody do that one? Everybody did number four. I did none of them. I didn't do the reading till night. All right. Confession is good for the soul. Did anybody do number four? All right. We have a consistent class. Well, guess what? You've got 28 days. <laughs> Not only for this, but the next one too. All right, tell you what, I'm going to go through one of them again so you can just see, see this in action. So pick three or four. The material I handed out to you is dealing with death, dying, and suffering. So again, um, and I'm only asking you to pick one. You can do more if you'd like, because then we're going to talk about that, okay? And if whatever you've done, then that, that ends up some going back and forth of some ideas. Because uh, when you are counseling people, you may need to talk it over with some other people. How am I going to counsel this person? Well, I'm going to get into this. How do I dig into what's going on with this person? And that's helpful. Okay. Um, that's, you know, I'll go back to Jethro. Moses was killing himself and Jethro gave him like this counsel of having judgments by people and then working their way up to, to Moses. Well, the same thing as in counseling. You don't have to be able to tackle every situation. There are those around that have more experience. You give them a call. Hey, I got a situation. Here's what I'm dealing with. What, what do you think? What should I do? What line should I pursue? Or you might even get permission from the person you're counseling. With his, Could we have so-and-so come in and sit in with us? And that way you learn as well as the other person. So never feel like you're alone. The responsibility is not on your shoulders. This is God at work going through you and the rest of the body of Christ. Because the goal is that we all grow in Christ. So it's a team effort. Never feel like it's just on you and you alone. Because it never is. Okay? All right, let's take number two then. You find out your friend is addicted to pornography. He denies it 
You first confront him, finally confesses, you cite the evidence. He admits he's been looking at it for since his early teens. His wife does not know about it. That has now become extremely common. Uh, I believe statistically now it's down into early teens, like junior high and sixth grade. That's when uh, kids are being exposed to it now and sometimes a lot earlier. Okay, and that used to be more like late junior high or high school or something, but phones make it readily available to everybody and it's much more perverse than it was when it was only what was in print in a you know, a brown sack or something that no one could see it and hit in lockers and that kind of stuff. No, it's on everybody's phone. So this is a very common one. So this is one we should know how to deal with. Identify the presenting problem. What's the presenting problem? Yeah, you shouldn't be looking at it. Okay, there's, okay, that's one presenting problem. What's the other problem? Okay, you're keeping something from your wife. She's actually one of the ones who's going to be most able to help you with this. She knows you the best. She loves you the most, except your mama. <laughs> she loves you the most. And she can. she's there to hold you accountable and help you, okay? And a good wife will do that. So there's two problems. So the fact that his wife does not know about it tells you what about it. He's ashamed. He's ashamed of it, okay? Otherwise, his wife would know. In fact, he might even be saying, hey, look at this with me, wife. Okay, he's ashamed of it. That's why she doesn't know. So these aren't stretches. This is just taking the observation and you're making obvious conclusions. So here's the test. Okay, you're doing something you know is wrong. You're embarrassed about it. You're ashamed about it because your wife doesn't know about it. So that's presenting problem. Um. He doesn't want to admit it. That's another clue about what's going on with him emotionally. Uh, so we've identified the problem. What's the problem emotion? Shame. Shame is huge on this one, right? And it is pretty easy to see because, again, he didn't tell his wife and wouldn't admit it when you confronted him with it. You had to prove it. It's like, hey, look, hand me your phone. I already know about what's in here. So bang, bang, bang. There it is. All right. You already know about it. Are you bringing the witnesses? All the people have seen them doing it. Okay. Emotion. The main one here is going to be shame. Okay. Problem behavior. Feeling the pornography. Okay. He's looking at it. And hiding it. And yeah, hiding it. He's hiding it. He's lying about it because he lied to the person. You, when you confronted it, he denied it. You first confronted it, he denies it. That's a lie. Okay? So there's several problem behaviors that are coming out of it, and you usually will find that. One area of sin is going to elicit lots of areas of sin. Lying is often a part of that. Okay? So you're identifying those things. Problem thinking. This one's going to take a little bit more work. Well, he's obviously getting some kind of pleasure from it. Or he wouldn't do it. So he's probably thinking this is a better way to get pleasure than maybe an alternative. Like, I don't know. Could be. Spending more time with his wife or something. <laughs> All right. So those that has to be explored, right? Because that's a possibility. Okay. It, and you might want to say, well, what pleasure are you getting out of this? Okay. Could he also? Sorry. Go ahead. Could he also 
be um, having to avoid being told no a lot or adjusting his time to, or his day to her day? His wife's. But you have one clue. He's been doing this since he was in his teens. Okay. There is an addictive behavior and pornography is horrible at this. It creates an addictive behavior and they are living in a fantasy world. Selfishness. So there's a lot of selfishness. That'll be something he's not doing right in his marriage as well. Well, not it's just, just leading to that. Well, it's like a form right. of emotional cheating, really. It is. Right. So he, he could be justifying getting angry with his wife and stuff when maybe otherwise he would have laughed or something. Well, why would he continue? Okay, this is one that often hits the young men think, okay, I'm going to get married and now I'm not going to have a problem with pornography. Ah, they're like, yeah, no, 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 that's not the way it works. You already got a problem. Okay. And what's going to happen is you're already li living in a fantasy world and no woman can meet your fantasies okay because you're looking at uh photoshopped images um <laughs> of people who don't really exist or people who aren't you know they work at this all day you know it's not the real world so you're living in a fantasy and that's going to be certainly one of the problems in their thinking okay why do they want to live in a fantasy world you see where i'm going with this because what I'm trying to do is I'm, I want to get, okay, there's the obvious is there, right? Okay, you you may be doing this because it's pleasure. You're going to ask them, are you masturbating, masturbating when you're doing this too? Ask them. Be point blank. Sorry. <laughs> well, no, ask. Okay, what are you doing? Okay, because that's going to be part of, well, what is your pleasure in this? Is this just eye candy? Or are you trying to get pleasure, physical pleasure out of this as well? Okay. A lot of guys now try and get their wife involved with it, thinking that she can somehow enjoy the fantasy with them. No. All right. But you're going to have to expose the things and you're going to have to dig some around. You may have to, you, well, you're not may. You will have to ask some questions that are going to be very uncomfortable for you to ask because do you really want to know the answer? Maybe not, but you can't correct if you don't know. So you're going to have to ask some pointed questions. Okay, it started your teens. Well, find out. Well, how to remember one of the things is if you can identify when it starts, you might be able to find uh, a means which you can encourage them because it's not quite as threatening. Okay, you started your teens. Well, how did you get hooked into this? Okay, so now you're going to come alongside them. Well, yeah, that was bad. That wasn't good. No, you're, those aren't really good friends who got involved with this. But now you're going to move it toward it. So, but why have you stayed involved with it? You're going to start exposing some things because there is a lot of wrong thinking here. The fantasy world is going to be a big part of it. Okay. You're pursuing something outside the realm of what's real. Okay. Now, that's going to be a strong statement. How is that really that much different than the transgender people? When you get down to the, the bottom line of it, you're living a fantasy. Okay. Does God want us to live in fantasy? No, okay, we had to deal with real people. So pornography is a big thing, and there's a lot of things that could be in that thinking that can cause it, and each person is probably going to be a little different, including just as if this was teen, he's just, well, I've, I've done this for so long, I, I can't even think about it. not. That's why it's called an addiction. 
And it does start messing with how your brain functions, okay? So it's a serious issue. And there are some really good ministries that deal with that, okay, that help people with it. But the bottom line is you're still going to have to now, once they start acknowledging it, now you're going to say the problem thinking is going to be teaching them the biblical commands concerning it. Can you get them to start seeing things from God's perspective? So I'm going to uh, correct the choices they're making because you're going to have to nail them on this one too, is you have a behavior, you're choosing to do this. And a lot of times with an addictive behavior, they're going to feel like they don't have a choice. And it's certainly a lot worse now. I've got, what, six emails, four, four church emails, actually I have five from the church, but one's accounting, almost nothing ever comes in on that yet. Four emails uh, of the church. So <clears throat> there's office, there's pastor, past Al Harris, and sermons. All four of these sites at gracebibleny.org. Every day, anywhere from one to two to 10 or more stuff about how to correct your ED, how to, hey, I'm so-and-so and I'm beautiful. Uh, Contact me. We're going to have a hot time tonight. I'm not kidding. This is on a church site through the email. You're not going to escape this stuff anymore. It is not just in your face. It is shouting at you. Well, that means your thinking has to be really strong here, right? Yes. So if you're already susceptible to this, how will it, is a guy going to keep from that? It's just, it's flooding his email. It's flooding his, the ads. Okay. There's... Uh, even news sites, there's new sites I won't go to because the ads are terrible. Okay, it's in your face. You're going to have to clarify the thinking on this guy of what's he doing? Does he understand it's wrong? And why is it wrong? So obviously, there's going to be a lot of biblical teaching on this, right? So you're going to be going to a lot of the verses about what he's supposed to be as a man, what his orientation is supposed to be sexually, and that it's only his wife and nobody else, and that looking at others is actually, let's see, seems like Jesus talked about that in Matthew 5, right? Whoever looks upon a woman to lust after her, ooh, adultery, that sounds a little worse, right? So you're going to have to work with them, understand God has a very serious view of this. Sometimes it may take a while to get through everything. Uh, so expect a long session, one and a conference, and this is a confrontation, right? That's how this was set up. This guy didn't come to you looking for help. It was a confrontation. So your volition, your choices are yours. What are you thinking? It's contrary to what God says. Now let's get down to the personal circle. What does God actually think about this? How does this fit in with what your goals in life are? Let's see. My goal in life is uh, I want on my tombstone. He saw really passionate pornography. Well, be facetious in some of this stuff because and put it in those terms because that sometimes is what can wake like. No, this is serious because this is what your life is about. Well, what do you want your life to be about? Now, notice again what I'm doing. I'm trying to elicit in the person one exposure, but also is, but where do you want to go? I, I want to find out where they actually would like to go because then I can start working with that. So obviously your choices here aren't going where you 
would like to go. At least you say you would like to go. So how do we start working toward making sure where you'd like to go becomes more prominent than where you've been? And since it's an addictive behavior, it's not going to be easy to break it. Okay, I'm going to keep emphasizing it because otherwise we could do with what I've said so often. Like, you're doing that? Stop. Okay, we're all done. Okay, session's over and we're, we're all happy. Okay, you're going to have to work with them and, and help them with it. Okay, so you're going to get to that personal circle. So then you clarify biblical thinking. Okay, make sure they understand. You're going to get them memorizing some scriptures dealing with all these things. That there is an actual conviction there. Somewhere there should, at this point, be some confession on their part. Praying and ask, pray together. Ask God to forgive him. And then commitment to a volitional commitment on, well, what are we going to do about it? Okay, so what are some things that could be done, even in a first session? Okay, we may have to, you're not to hold them accountable. You're going to meet them more than once. First session, what are some volitional things you can get a person to do that says, yes, I do want to stop it. I recognize it's wrong. And I feel horrible. I feel guilty all the time. I think he feels guilty. That's part of the reason for the shame. Shame and guilt go together. So he feels guilty. I don't like feeling this way. And my mind is all polluted. I would like it to be clean. So what are some volitional things he could do? Tell his wife. He could tell his wife. Okay. Get your wife involved with this. So make a decision. Go tell your wife, this is something I'm struggling with and I need your help. Now, understand, she could get angry with him, okay? She could be very hurt. What do you mean you're looking at this stuff? I can't compete with that. That's a possibility. You need to be ready for that, and you need to make sure they're ready for it, but eventually they need to tell their wife, okay? But they need to be, a, you may have to coach them how he will tell her. This is what I'm doing. So-and-so just confronted me today and told me I need to tell you. And I've been wrong. So make sure he understands. If he's telling his wife, it's with an apologetic attitude and asking her for forgiveness. Mm -hmm. If he doesn't understand why he needs her forgiveness, well, you still have some work to do in clarifying biblical thinking, right? Okay. So you're going to work with that. So one, he needs to tell his wife. What else? Filters. Filters on the computer. Okay. If you've got filters, phone, whatever else, what filters on it? Okay, that's just a basic putting up hedge. All right, what beyond a hedge? You can put filters. What else can you put on your computer? Okay. Accountability software, okay? Uh, Covenant Eyes is probably one of the better ones uh, where it's, and you're going to say, like, <laughs> you need to put this on there, not tomorrow. We're going to work on that now, okay? You're going to get on there, and I'm going to be your accountability partner, okay? So I'm going to get an email. Anytime you look at anything, okay? So I can hold you accountable. And then you're going to pick some other people or I'm going to hold you accountable. In other words, now you're shamed about this. You're going to get some more help than just one person. Mm -hmm. Your wife is going to be one of them. And you may have to pick somebody else. Mm -hmm. Well, the more people you have involved with this, the more you're going to have better accountability and the more you know it's serious, okay? So that's, uh, so filters, accountability software, uh, how about the first, uh, the most obvious one? Stop looking at it. Okay. Can you? <laughs> I just keep thinking about what Jesus says about the eyes. So I can't help but telling somebody, hey, you just have to flip the eyes out. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> we can help. I, I can, we can gouge them out for you. Okay. 
to do it at certain times, what they could do is substitute an alternate activity. Like if their wife does something every Saturday afternoon and that's when they go hit it, maybe on Saturday afternoons, don't stay home, you know, go only with a friend or something. Excellent. So Alicia commitment. So that should be some things you've clarified. When are you vulnerable to this? Okay. When are you looking at it? What are you looking at it on? Where are you? Okay. Um, if it's, well, I'm, well, I have some time when I'm just alone. Don't be alone. Don't be alone yeah. Okay. Okay. Delete the stuff. It, what it, you certainly stuff have on your computer and on your phone or your device, your tablet, whatever it is. Delete it immediately. Okay. So those would be the more obvious ones, but yes, you have to have commitment on that. So you're having them make choices. Now you can oversee it, but you really should have them the ones who are deleting. Okay. Now you may have to help them. I mean, there was I there was a case. I was helping a guy who was drunk, and I got called over there, and he wasn't quite smashed yet, but he had been drinking. He did promise he wouldn't. So I do remember. I said, "So you got any alcohol in the house now?" Yeah, it's it's, it's in there. Like, okay, if I grabbed it out, dab the drink. Like, what are you doing? I said, "Well, obviously you didn't throw it out, so I'm throwing it out," and I'm letting your wife know too. No, well, you committed to me that you weren't going to do this. You already made a commitment to me. I'm just wanting to hold me accountable. Okay, now it could be to more serious issues. Now you said gouge your eyes out. Uh, Jesus was certainly being uh, dramatic with that, but it may take something more drastic, like you can't handle your computer, you can't handle your phone. Yeah, get rid of it. Don't carry it. Okay, I think. Uh, I'm told Lance says you can still get flip phones. So <laughs> get a get a flip phone, okay? Or you can uh you do the old anybody got a phone? I need to call my wife. You know, <laughs> you know what do you need really need it for? On your computer. Uh there's certain things. And if you come into my office, my computer is my desk is against the wall, the computer faces out toward the middle of the room. There's couple computers in there they all face outward so that anybody can ever see as they walk when they first walk in you can see anything i'm looking at on purpose it's been very easy to switch things around where you couldn't see what i'm looking at no it's on purpose that just holds accountability it's something i want to teach my kids so those things so you can think of all the practical things uh you're putting in there but it's a commitment for them to do it then you plan out and you carry out the biblical behavior so that's part of you made a choice. You're going to follow up with them. Okay, you said you're going to do this, this, and this. So did you do it? You may have to go with them and help them with some of it. And then you're going to identify the spirit-controlled motions by following up with them. Is okay, how did you do? So they make a commitment. You may say, okay, cold turkey, never again. Now, if they said, okay, I agree. I'll never watch it again. Are they telling you the truth? No. Next opportunity. Okay. So you're gonna you're going to deal with the issues is can you stop for this, this, and this? Can you do the practical things like you were saying? Is where were you? Are you alternative activities? That's what you're gonna hold them accountable for. Okay. You're gonna expect they're gonna fall at some point. You don't tell them you expect them to fall. You can tell them that they probably will, but you're gonna hold them accountable. And when they do, what are they gonna do about it? Okay, so you're going to help them with all those things. 
but you can't be pussyfooting around with, well, you know, I know it's, it's a hard thing. You have to be direct with them. And yet an encourager with his, you can overcome this. It can be overcome. Not easy, but it can be overcome. Okay. Now, the reason I it's, picked on this particular one, yeah, the reason I picked on this particular one uh, for tonight is this is a major problem even in churches. I have run into so many young men that are interested in ministry, even pursuing ministry, missions, or something, and they feel completely disqualified because they got a pornography problem. So it's a real issue. And we have to help each other with it. Okay? We can't be... Don't get in... Well, he's just a guy. Of course he's looking. No, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, of course he's a guy. Of course he's going to be attracted to that. But he has to train that himself. And we have to help each other be trained toward his no. Covenant eyes is taken from the covenant of jokes that he made with his eyes. Not to behold the virgin. That's where you have to go. And then you have to train yourself toward the, that way. And it's not easy. But it can be done. And you have to come alongside and encourage him. So that's why I picked on this one. But it's it's still going to be the same thing in all the counseling situations. There's a temptation here. What's the enticement to the guy? Since that's the particular thing here. What is enticing him? Because it's, it's a temptation to him. He's following. You want him to get to see his, it's a test of your faith. Are you going to trust God? Or are you going to give into whatever this is? That's going to be the issue. Okay. Okay, Kathleen, you had something else you wanted to add? I just wondered, um, things like this, anything, isn't that like a sin down the line? Because basically, first, you stopped caring about what God saw you doing. You stopped caring about things like that. And... And and in this particular scenario, he starts as a teen before he probably has much in the way of developed uh, walk with God of, of caring one way or the other. He was already involved with it, and that's going to be part of the problem. And the reason I like the way this scenario is written, and again, this is a real scenario, is that's where most guys are. It's not like they got into college and someone showed it to them and they already had a walk with the Lord. No, they're getting in it when they're young, very impressionable. And not even sure what to think, but but now but now they're grown men and they're married, and they're Christians, and they they are not at all bothered by consequences from God or anything. Doesn't that sound a big bell? It could be, but remember, the guy's already hiding it. He was denying it. Uh, his wife doesn't know, so he's already shamed. He's feeling the shame about it. He knows it's wrong, but he's going to be somebody does not sure. What do I do about it? So maybe verses that need to be studied have to be centered on God knows your heart. God knows your mind. Yeah, you're you going know. to do those things because, again, you're going to work with the presenting problem first, right? So we'll just review it again. Here's the presenting problem. We're going to work on that. You're going to clarify. You're going to work down to what the, that particular sin is. But the more you get into it, you're going to start revealing the wrong thinking. The wrong thinking has to be corrected. You've made wrong choices because you're thinking wrong. Well, your thinking's wrong because you have an idea about what life is about, and it's wrong too. 
And that's what you're getting at, Kathleen. Does he not realize what life is really about? And that's so the volitional, the volitional commitments, can they be centered around getting God's viewpoint straight in your head? Well, that's getting... what, yeah, but you're going to work at, you're going to make the volitional commitments are going to be based as you clarified what is true. And you're going to try and keep working down to something he's probably not even aware of. What does he think life really is about? Okay, and I guarantee you, you start here, you start exposing one thing, you're going to get other things that are going to get exposed over time. And as more things are exposed, well, you get to work on those too. Because eventually, again, our goal in all our counseling is going to end up being, can I get them to become more dependent upon God, understand his will and pursue his will, rather than whatever it is that they have been doing because they have a wrong view of what life is about. And for most Christians, most Christians really are not at the point where they recognize that my life is really about Christ. They think most, the vast majority of professing Christians, it's going to be is Jesus is my Savior. I'm not going to hell. I'm good. Am I correct? Yeah. You know, getting people to get to is Jesus is my Savior. He's my Lord. And I love him. And I want my life to reflect him in everything in my life. And I'll go through whatever I have to go through as long as God continues to mold me in the image of Christ. That's going to be few and far between, but that's where we want to get people. But that's why presenting problems end up helping us because it's going to keep poking at that until we expose what's really there. So where this guy is, who knows? But you're going to start exposing it, and I can guarantee you, his life is not about Christ. But it needs to go that direction. But does he see how it's being short-circuited by his involvement with pornography and everything else that's going to go around with it? Pornography, the deceitfulness, the lying, uh, the shame that's into it, feeling, I uh, guarantee he probably feels very alone. Uh, I've hit this over and over. You get a, a group of guys together and you bring the subject up and suddenly gets really quiet. No one wants to admit anything. But once you get one guy to start admitting some stuff, suddenly it's like, yeah, I have that problem too. Everybody has that. Every single guy there had a problem. Oh, okay. David started a group when he was a young man. And uh, that's how he started with, <laughs> he started the whole group with this. We're going to hold each other accountable. If you say you don't have a problem, you're a liar. <laughs> so he just got it out of the way so they could help with each other. But it's a, it's because it is shameful. They know it's wrong. They don't want to let other people know they're still stumbling and struggling. And so they end up, they don't want to be part of the group anymore. And it's not that they don't want to change. It's that they don't want the shame. That's why you're going to have to clarify the thinking there. <clears throat> what is it you really want in life? What they really want, they want to be perceived as they're good people. And they want to hide the sin that's there. So, see, the thing is, is if you're a glutton and you're not bulimic, eventually the sin will find you out. Pornography <laughs> <laughs> can be hidden more, right? And that's the same thing with a lot of sins. Some sins, it's going to, it's going to come out because it's going to affect you physically that it can't be ignored. Other things, it's still hidden, but it's still just as nasty. 
because you're really not walking with God and trusting him. Am I going to set my sight the way God wants me to walk to make a, a covenant with my eyes? I'm not looking. And it has to be that way. Uh, I know we end up in the church. Sometimes people, there are some women will come in. They're not really modestly dressed. Uh, sometimes that pops up and they say, Pastor, we have women here who are not modestly dressed. And I said, do you really want me looking for them? Because I'm not. I ignore them. So let's go talk to the ladies. The ladies can, they can deal with this. We don't want any of the guys looking to see who's the immodest woman. Now they probably know who it is, but they A, shouldn't be looking to begin with. And if you trained yourself, even if you see it cognitively, it's like, okay, see, but you're oblivious to it because you just look in someplace else. You just don't look. You train yourself and you don't want them to be the ones confronting. You want the ladies coming along and saying, let's talk about modesty and how God wants us to dress. Okay. So those are going to be part of it. The shame of it is one that isolates men. And you're trying to bring this guy out from being isolated into the community of men who can then help him walk with Christ as part of the fellowship of men. Not the fellowship of secular men who are sharing their pornography, the fellowship of godly men who are helping you walk the straight and the narrow in godliness and a change different, a different kind of life. Okay? They're the guys who are saying, is, uh, uh, can we go bowling? Bowling? Oh, bowl yeah, we're going to go bowling. <laughs> So-and-so needs help. That'd be the code word, right? <laughs> going bowling. <laughs> okay? Probably best to take up ice skating or something where any yeah. women there are clothed with lots of stuff because they're cold, you know, right? Or hunting. Hunting would be a good one. Yes, we're going hunting. <laughs> All right, so, but you're going to work on that stuff, and it's going to take work. This is also a good one just to say is that it, it can be messy. Okay, and then really until you get into it, you don't really know everything. You can assume some things, because they're generally true, but you got to get into what's really behind all of it. Yes, ma'am. That's a quick question. If you're somebody, for example, sharing this, they obviously made a confession, but they're completely against trying to deal with it or have a conversation about it. But now it's involving someone else, for this example, his wife. What is the next recourse? Is it sharing it with another man to see if they're able to get through to the person? Is it going to the person's wife? Like, at what point do you... Okay, so now we're going to go to church discipline. Okay. Because um, any sin can lead into it. But what's the purpose of church discipline? Okay, you've seen a brother. They've stumbled into sin. That could be sin against you. It could be something you've just seen them in, in sin. You've confronted them. Why did you confront them? You want to win them over to walking with Christ properly. So the next step is that if they reject what you're telling them, and you're going to warn them is, look, if you're not going to listen to me, I, I'm going to bring some others alongside. So you bring two or three others to establish what is true. Now, any of these kind of cases, you're going to be looking to try, you want to bring people in who can be helpful. It's a confrontation, but it's not a confrontation with I'm the spiritual police and I caught you in a sin and we're going to bring you up on charges really fast. No, we're going to bring you because these are people who have been through it. Ideally, in this situation, you'd find someone you know who's already dealt with it. Frankly, in our church, Dominic's not uh, uh, afraid of it. He had to deal with pornography as he became a Christian and stuff that was 
you know, uh, uh, among the police and stuff. And he learned to deal with it. So he, he'd be one of us like, hey, Dominic, going to join me? So-and-so's got trouble with this. Because he can be point blank. And he said, I had victory over it. And here's how I did it. See, that gives him hope. But I'm going to escalate it with two or three. Okay. Now, I'm going to keep working on that. Now, if the person's still resistant, like they don't have a problem, and you demonstrate they have a problem, well, I'm going to escalate it. If it ends up with church discipline to telling the church, pray for so-and-so, they've got this problem, yeah, you're going to go there, even to the point of disfellowship, because that is all about a very simple thing. You've confronted them with what God wants them to do. It's very obvious. And they refuse to walk with Christ. Well, what do you call someone who refuses to walk with Christ? <laughs> Unrepentant. Someone who's not a Christian, because what does a Christian do? You're a follower of Christ, and they're not a follower of Christ. So it's like, okay, you want to claim a name for something, but yet you don't want to do what it, what it means. So whatever it is that you say you confess your sins to Christ, well, what's wrong with this sin to confess to Christ? Okay. If they're going to insist, well, pornography is not sinful, well, you got a different problem. <laughs> now you got a heretic. Okay, you got something that's plain in scripture and they deny it's even true. Now you got a different problem. And we're going to protect the church from such a problem because they're dangerous. Okay, so it will escalate, but it's not escalating because we went to disfellowships. It escalates because we care enough about them to bring the pressure to bear and the re. So that's one part, that's a confrontation but the resources to bear of those who can actually help the person. So in a case like this, there will be go-to people that uh, have, have had problems with this, serious problems, and they have conquered it. That's the person you want because they, they know what the person's going through. They've struggled through this thing and they're like, okay, here's some practical things to do. Here's how you can start overcoming it. Here's how to get your mind to change. Okay. At which point do you tell the wife, though? <laughs> I think that's what she was asking. Okay. At what point do you tell the wife? Well, what you answered, but then, yeah, also, if you're getting that, you know, rebuttal back, like, at what point do you involve the wife? Is it after? I wouldn't do it. Or? I wouldn't be first on her because she, she'll get even more upset if now it's exposed and doesn't want to deal with it. So I'm going to be careful and cautious for her, too, and so that she's not going to be hitting with more than the one issue, okay? Because there's going to be an issue there if he doesn't want to change. And that's an additional thing. So you're going to get the guys to confront first, okay? And then you may eventually get the wife in, involved, but the guys are going to confront him first. You definitely would tell the wife before you tell the church, okay? Does that help? <laughs> 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 I figured that, but I wanted him to answer. You don't need to say that. Okay. <laughs> I was, that's what I would, how I would do it. Before you tell the church, maybe a couple months before. <laughs> yeah. But within our own policies, you know, if we get up to that level, you know, we don't want it going beyond six months. Okay. Mm -hmm. We want to give it a minimum of a month, but not more than six. Mm -hmm. If it gets to the level, we're going to have to tell the church. Mm -hmm. But before you get there, you can see there's probably been a lot of involvement with getting people involved and, hey, wait. You know, what's going on with you? You know, and that's what you're looking. Frankly, the first confrontation, you probably are not going to get a whole lot because it's too embarrassing. All right. But you're going to confront them again, or they may think about it and then say, yeah, I, I really do have a problem. Because you're going to start praying about it too. Don't forget the ministry of the Holy Spirit. 
just because they didn't respond this first time is if you didn't know about it beforehand, how much prayer have you given to it? Not much. And if we're not praying, then I don't think we're really going to see much true change because it's the work of the Holy Spirit to bring the person, in this case, the guy to a conviction of sin. This is wrong. It's wrong before God. And I want to please my God. So all the other stuff is going to be there, but primarily you've got to get it to that point. The other stuff are a means to that. Yes, you're hurting your wife. Yes, you're hurting your testimony. You got kids, you're ter a terrible example of your kids. Um, you know, you're disqualifying yourself for any kind of leadership in the church. Can't have that use an example. There's all that stuff. Then, but now you're gonna have to eventually get to his. But the main thing here really is is this is shameful before God, and that's why you feel shame. It's because you know it's wrong before God. Okay, is that helpful? Okay. All right. Any other thoughts about this? It's a lot. The same could be true for um, just fantasizing in general or like literature, you know. Same thing. Uh, pornography for men tends to be visual. So it'll be pictures, films, things like that. There's pornography for women. Harlequin books. Okay. And it is, it's pornography, but it's all about a romantic story. Right. Okay, um, you have to be careful with a lot of the romance movies and stuff. The the tendency is to think is pornography is only the the pictures and stuff, the images, and it's not. It's what's underlying it too. It's the storyline, and uh, a lot of the movies and stuff out there. Well, they're filled with the the smut as well, but it's the storyline because they're trying to after both. Mm -hmm. They want to get the woman fantasizing about some guy who's going to sweep her off her feet and fulfill her sexually in a way that she's never been fulfilled before. And the guy just wants to see the naked woman. <laughs> that kind of comes from a country song. You know, you see a, a beautiful French painting and he sees a naked girl. <laughs> you know, like, no, that's not proper. Yeah, be careful museums as well. <laughs> Fine art, yeah, smutty art, okay. Except he's not in the grades. So we have to be careful. Don't let society decide what is or is not. Remember, pornography, uh, pornea is sexual sins. Graphy, that, that part, writing. Okay, something that's graphic, that's writing. So it's there for women too, but it plays a different role in a different way and unfortunately something that's been coming up diane note oh i guess it's been about 10 years or so was um research and finding that a lot of women have gotten into pornography mm -hmm. because they've been trained as little girls for it and that's where society has gone which is why we're very protective of our young ladies is because we know most of the guys out there are walking around with really polluted minds mm -hmm. So you want to be protective. All right. Okay. Exciting subject. Okay. It's a really okay. So depressing subject. Well, it, it can be, except I know too many people who've been able to overcome it. You know, you can see their minds are changed. And yeah, they still may have flashbacks and stuff, but it doesn't. That's not what, who they are anymore. 
they're disgusted by it. Usually what ends up happening is as this progresses, what used to be enticing to them becomes um, repulsive. repulsive is the right word for that. It's repulsive to them because it's so contrary to what they know that God says about it and what is proper and 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 it starts eliciting in him a protective nature mm -hmm. that he should have towards women is like how dare you you know and he'll go after other guys like get rid of that stuff you know like especially the, when you do the research and how it's made it's a lot of oh it's horrible yes it's, it's absolutely bad. horrible um you know and then because uh, you're going to work with the even like guy with this is like like so what if that was made and it was your daughter mm -hmm. Well, certainly it's a little different, right? You know, or cousin you love or something, you know, some relative of yours that you really care about and they've been exploited this way. So suddenly it's a real different issue because it's not just a fantasy, not a real person. No, it's a real person. And uh, that's part of what the whole immigration thing it's not immigration, it's illegal immigration. There's a whole side of it, it's sex slavery. Mm -hmm. And it isn't pornography and all the rest of it. That's all part of it. And that's where that's the society we live in. Then. So it's not Sodom and Gomorrah, We're not quite there. We're more like um, Pompeii. Pompeii was a city destroyed by Mount Vesuvius and uh, it covered it in ash so quickly that it preserved everything. So as they're digging in and exposing everything, it's like, yeah, there was pornography all over the place. That was how they decorated their homes, pornography. Yeah, so I said, we're probably at least Pompeii, right? So you don't have to have modern technology to get into it, but it certainly makes it worse. All right, well, let's pray. And uh, you can spend several weeks working through uh, the demeanor of your friend who's become proud and arrogant. Uh, you can deal with the other one who is got a job situation and what are they going to do about this? And then death, dying, and suffering. <laughs> Wonderful things to be wrestling with. <laughs> so while you're dealing with that, I'll go, I'll go bury my father. So. <laughs> It's just reality. I've dealt with deaths for so long. It's, you know, it really does help you. The The longer you walk with Christ, you can, you can react to things very different, even though there's definitely a grief and a sadness. And I know it's going to hit me a lot more when I get back there. He's not there. And yet there's also the volitional side of it is I already making choices. I already rationally understand how my dad's with Christ and I have to rejoice for that. I'm going to miss him terribly. Um, Jonathan's been posting some <laughs> video he took of him that he didn't know was being taken because if he knew it was being taken, he wouldn't talk. And uh, it's it's been kind of neat to watch it. So though he's not with us to tell us those stories live anymore, at least we can watch the recordings and that's kind of nice. So How wonderful that he is. In yes, it is. That's uh, a great comfort. And I did get, my cousin got back to me and um, they do want to, they've been, at, actually, they were already thinking about it themselves. They do want to have a memorial service for them uh, at or near the family reunion, which would be mid-April. So it means another trip for me. Uh, 
And it also means I may miss another Thursday right toward the end. We're going to keep extending this class longer than it needs to be, but that's okay. Father, thank you for your many blessings to us and that as we dig into your word, it does help us to figure things out because it exposes the truth. And truth sets us free from the bondage of sin that we've been under. Father, as your Holy Spirit then works in us, we <clears throat> are conformed more to the image of Christ. We become the new creature that you've made us at conversion. Father, our desire is to be used by you in the lives of others, even as we would open our own lives in order to have our sins exposed and dealt with so that we become more like Christ. As we talked about this particular uh, scenario tonight, um, Father, we recognize we, have, we are living in a really wretched society now. That is, it is so rampant that sexual perversions are promoted by those in the positions of societal leadership, government and education and the media and entertainment news as something to be celebrated when you call these very things abominations. But Father, regardless of what society is like, you've called us to live differently and that we can do so regardless of what our society is like. That's been true throughout history. Father, continue to enable us to do so. And uh, as this is put out on the internet and others may see themselves and being exposed in their own addiction to pornography, that even the things we said tonight might prompt them to get the help they need and start moving back toward a, a life set in holiness and righteousness and pursuing a proper means of sexual fulfillment, not in fantasy world, but Father, according to your directions in marriage. In Jesus' name, amen.